Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Zach Curl Sports Podcast. We are here today recapping everything that went down during week number five of the NFL season, and we have so much to talk about. Between John Gruden, he is no longer the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll get into that, talking about what exactly went down, what his future holds, and just a crazy, crazy story going on with John Gruden. He is no longer the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. We will start off today's show going around the NFL. I'll give you some comments on each and every game in week five. And then we'll talk a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills. Should Bills fans be considering themselves as the best team in the AFC? I'll explain to you guys why this win for the Bills means so much. And also, Russell Wilson is out for the near future. And the Seattle Seahawks will be leaning towards Geno Smith as their starting quarterback. I wanted to get into that and give you my thoughts on the Seahawks now that Russell Wilson is going to be out for the near future. Without further ado, though, before I start today's show, wanted to give you guys some information if you want to get in contact with me. The Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L. Twitter at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3. And YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. I definitely want to have a segment in later episodes where I answer some questions and give you guys thoughts on many teams around the league. So it's time to talk some football. Time to start off this episode of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. And let's do it. Here we go. Starting off today's show, we will do what we do on every Tuesday edition of the Zach Crow Sports Podcast. That is going around the league through each and every game, and I'll give you a couple of thoughts. Obviously, so many teams to talk about, so many games to talk about. Without further ado, hit the music. Let's talk some football here on the Zach Crow Sports Podcast. Start off with Thursday night football. The Rams go into Seattle and improve their record to 4 and 1, beating the Seahawks by a final score of 26 to 17. And what I'll say about this game is the main storyline is obviously going to be Russell Wilson and the devastating fin- finger injury that he suffered. He is now going to be out for the next 7 to 8 weeks if not more. And I got to say, I think the Seattle Seahawks could be in trouble. They, As a matter of fact, they are in trouble. And I like Geno Smith. I think that he is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL, but their defense just isn't good. Giving up two first-round picks and paying Jamal Adams the big bucks right now just doesn't look like a move that is going to work out, and it hasn't worked out to start. Seattle's defense is not good. Pete Carroll, it's been a great run, but I think that Him and Russell Wilson have just been doing it for a long time, and he might be out sooner rather than later. He's 70 years old. It's been a great run for Pete, but Seattle, their offense is still ultra-conservative. I thought maybe bringing in Shane Waldron, a former McVay assistant from the Rams, would change things. It obviously hasn't, and I think the Seahawks, without Russell Wilson, I would be very surprised if they made the playoffs. Good win for the Rams. You're never going to apologize going into Seattle, a divisional road game on Thursday night football, a short week and getting the win. It certainly wasn't perfect, but a good bounce back effort from the Rams. One of the best teams in the NFL getting the victory. Solid job there going to four and one after five weeks. Let's move on to the one o'clock games. How about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They beat the Dolphins final score 45 to 17. Tom Brady in this game, 411 yards, five touchdowns. Antonio Brown, 124 yards, seven catches, two touchdowns. I was impressed with Tampa Bay in this one, and I don't know what happened to the Dolphins defense. If you've listened to the show, yes, you will remember I picked the Dolphins to win the AFC East, and it wasn't even because I thought Tua was going to be good. I just thought their defense and their coaching would be able to get the job done. Obviously, that prediction hasn't worked out, to say the least. The Buccaneers rolled in this game. I'm still concerned about their defense going forward, but I still think they are the clear best team in the NFC South. Tom Brady is only getting better as he gets older. An unbelievable effort in that one. Good win for the Bucs. 45-17. Miami needs Tua back desperately, and there aren't going to be many players that are going to be under more pressure than Tua Tugavailoa in the NFL when he does indeed come back. The Patriots 
they go into Houston and beat the Texans by a final score of 25 to 22. And I'm not going to lie. I was concerned about New England throughout this game. I'm sure there were many people that had the Patriots as their survivor pool pick in this one. And they find a way to win somehow, some way. The Texans were up 15 to 9 at half. They had the lead for most of the third quarter, but the Patriots find a way. I'm not going to lie. I was surprised they did, and I'm worried about New England. They're 2 and 3 right now. I still don't think they're a playoff team. Their defense is decent, and Mac Jones isn't bad, but Mac, he is what he is. I just don't think his ceiling is that high. And considering the weapons around him, I just think there are plenty of better teams in the AFC right now than the New England Patriots. However, I'll give them credit. Good job getting the win on the road in Houston over the Texans. The Saints, they go into our nation's capital and beat the Washington football team by a final score of 33-22. to And we got the full Jameis Winston experience in this one, folks. Jameis Throws for four touchdowns, also throws a couple picks as well. But look, the Saints are an interesting team. I feel like they're you just never know what exactly you're going to be getting from them uh, on a week-in, week-out basis. But Sean Payton is a really good coach. Jameis Winston has his moments. Kamara, 16 rushing attempts, 71 yards, and a touchdown in this game. Also had a receiving touchdown as well. He balled out. The Saints are a team that, I'll give them credit, they find a way to go into New England and win. They find a way to go into Washington and win. If only they could have beaten the Giants at home, I feel like we would have had a much better feeling about the Saints. They also lose Taysom Hill in this one. You hope he's okay. And disappointing effort from Washington. I really do think you can make the argument that their defense has been the most disappointing unit in the NFL so far this season. They have Kansas City next week. The way Dallas looks, the the Washington football team could be in trouble. We'll stick in the NFC East. Good job by the Eagles going into Carolina, getting a 21-18 win over the Panthers. And this was probably the worst game Sam Darnold has played so far in a Carolina Panthers uniform. And I understand Christian McCaffrey was out, but this was a game the Panthers should have won. Their defense had Jalen Hurts frustrated throughout the first three quarters of this game. I even remember saying to myself, the Eagles just need a new quarterback sooner rather than later. And uh, really ever since that Monday night football game against Dallas, I'd been real skeptical of Nick Sariani, and I still am. But hey, his team found a way to go on the road and get the win. The Eagles defense played well, but I think this game is about Carolina. They have to be better than this, even without McCaffrey. Darnold was terrible, only throwing for 177 yards. Um, And look, man, I think Carolina is good enough to be a playoff team with their defense. They just have to be better. I'm still not in on Philadelphia at all. I think they may be looking for a new quarterback by the end of the season. I'm just not 100% sure if Jalen Hurts could be an NFL franchise quarterback. But the Eagles have talent. I'm looking forward to seeing what they could do on Thursday Night Football against the Bucks. And they're 2-3. and three. They're not completely out of it just yet. The Tennessee Titans. This was the perfect get-right spot for them. After taking a loss to the New York Jets, they go into Jacksonville and beat the Jaguars by a final score of 37-19. to They go to 3-2. and This loss now puts Jacksonville at 0-5. And, and I'll say this about the Titans. This was a game they had to win, and Derrick Henry balled out. 29 rushing attempts for 130 yards and 3 touchdowns. Julio Jones did not play in this game, uh, and still the Titans were able to regain some offensive momentum. I feel like when you want to do that, the Jacksonville Jaguars usually are the perfect opponent for you. And look, with the Colts loss last night, we're going to get into that game a little later. There is no reason why the Titans shouldn't win the AFC South. They now have a two-game lead over the Colts, and they've already beaten them once. The key for Tennessee is their defense. If their defense could just be somewhat physical and limit their opposing offenses, they'll be fine. And the Jaguars, I mean, that third Derrick Henry, or the second Derrick Henry touchdown, I should say, when he just literally walked into the end zone untouched, literally no Jaguar defender could get a hand on him, you kind of just knew that represented 
what the Jaguars' level of uh, effort was going to be after Urban Meyer and everything went down with him at the club last week. And look, Urban Meyer, after the game, he's saying he doesn't really keep track and micromanage running backs and which one between Carlos Hyde and James Robinson gets carries. But bro, it's literally your job to decide which players and which personnel put your team in the best position to win going forward. And he literally just admitted, oh, I don't micromanage. The Urban Meyer experience could not have gotten off to a worse start. And to be honest with you, I really don't expect him to be coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars anytime soon. The London game, we didn't hit on that to start off, but I should get into it. The Falcons on Sunday morning, they beat the Jets by a final score of 27 to 20. And I'm not going to lie, I was pretty disappointed in my New York Jets in this one. And coming off the big win against the Tennessee Titans for the first time all season, we finally saw some positives from Zach Wilson throwing the ball deep to Corey Davis. And the defense for the Jets played well. But however, in this one, the Falcons were just the better team and the game started on a questionable roughing the passer call. It really didn't get much better from there. The Falcons with Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson were able to ball out the entire game and the Falcons defense was able to get enough stops when they needed to most. And the fact is the New York Jets just have to start better in these games. They still have not scored a point in the first quarter this season, that is embarrassing. And I just think that this coaching staff, it, it, it's only five games. You still don't know what exactly they're going to be, but there have been some questionable decisions. The way the defense covered Atlanta on a couple big third down attempts in that fourth quarter. And even though the Jets defense played all right in this game, when they needed to stop the most, they weren't able to do it. Super frustrating loss from that perspective. Matt Ryan has a little bit more in the tank than I expected. I still don't expect much from this Falcons team going forward. Even though they're sitting at 2-3, and three, only one game back of Carolina for uh, second place. And New Orleans in that conversation as well. So the Falcons right in at 2-3. and three. Patterson and Pitts stepping up without Calvin Ridley or Russell Gage. Disappointing loss by the Jets. They'll go into the bye week with a record of 1-4. and four. A big win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They beat the Broncos by a final score of 27-19. to And this was one of the better games that Ben Roethlisberger has played in in a very long time. You really did expect the Steelers to just play a little bit better. Like, Ben Roethlisberger played so bad over the past three games. You just wanted him to get comfortable, make some easy completions. And he slung, slung the ball in this game. 253 yards, two touchdowns. Najee Harris really looked like he was the real deal and the number one player and threat on the Steelers' offense. Chase Claypool played well, 130 yards and a touchdown. Unfortunately for the Steelers, they do lose Juju Smith-Schuster for the remainder of the season. I don't think that's a huge deal, though. They have plenty of depth at the wide receiver position, and this is disappointing for Denver. I understand your team was banged up, but you started your season off 3-0. and No one really knew how real it was considering who the opponents were when you look at the two New York teams in Jacksonville. But the last two weeks against AFC North opponents, they have not really shown up. And I'm not really sold on the Broncos going forward. They play in a tough AFC West. I think their defense is better than the way they've played over the last couple weeks. But they have to fix their problems quickly if they want to make the playoffs in a very tough AFC. I feel for the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell. If you missed it, they were down 10 late in the fourth quarter. They find a way to rally. They score a touchdown to cut it to one deficit. And they actually go for a two-point conversion, which ends up giving them the lead. Unfortunately, their defense let Kirk Cousins get into field goal range as the clock was winding down. And Greg Joseph hits a 54-yard field goal to give the Vikings the win. Dan Campbell, during the post-game press conference, was in tears. And I really feel bad for him because he's had the perception of just some meathead who is a nut job as a head coach. And he went to Detroit, a place where historically head coaches don't really do particularly well. But I did always say there was a reason why Dan Campbell was the assistant coach 
on Sean Payton's staff. And not only just an assistant coach, but a top assistant coach in New Orleans. I think he knows the game well. And even though the Lions are 0-5, they've been competitive in every game. The one game they got blown out in was that Monday night game against the Packers. And that was a competitive game. They were winning at halftime. I think Dan Campbell has the Lions going in the right direction. And if I was a player and I saw how much he really cared about the game of football, I would love to play for him. However, the Vikings find a way to win. And you just really don't know what you're going to get from the Vikings uh, on a week-in, week-out basis. They could beat anyone or lose to anyone Dalvin Cook was out in this game. I was impressed with the way Alexander Madison did look for the Vikings. The Packers go into Cincinnati and beat the Bengals by a final score of 25-22. to I was impressed with both teams in this one, except for the kickers. Each kicker between Crosby and McPherson had multiple opportunities to possibly win their team the game in overtime towards the end of regulation. The Packers find a way to win. And I was just impressed with both quarterbacks in this one, man. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is one of the best quarterback-wide receiver combinations that really I have ever seen since I've started watching NFL football. And Matt LaFleur, he knows how to win games in the regular season. The Packers have now won four games in a row since the week one beatdown they received from the New Orleans Saints. And the Bengals are legit too, man. I think their defense is better than anyone could have expected. Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase is a dangerous combination and will be for a long time. As long as Joe Burrow can stay healthy, he is an absolute baller, but he's dealing with a throat issue right now. I just hope he is healthy and ready to go. The fact he was able to finish that game was remarkable and at three and two the Bengals for me are one of the surprise teams in the NFL I've been impressed I'm not a hundred percent sold on their head coach just yet but I think the Bengals could be a team to watch and a definite threat going forward good job by them even in a loss they could be an an AFC wildcard team that no one saw coming let's go now to the four o'clock games a good win by the Chicago Bears going into Vegas, beating the Raiders 20-9. This was ultimately the last game in the coaching career of John Gruden. We're going to get into everything related with John Gruden in the next segment of the show. So get into this from a Bears perspective. Their defense played great. This was one of the best games, maybe even the best, this Bears defense has played since that 2018 season and the double doink game when their defense was really a consensus top two top three defense in the league and this was impressive the Raiders could score points we knew that and their defense balled out Justin Fields throws for 111 yards and a touchdown he just he does just enough to win the Bears this game they are now at three and two the Raiders are three and two but to be honest the differences between these two teams are pretty apparent right now and even though Matt Nagy may not be the guy Bears fans want and trust as their head coach going forward. He's shown that he could get this team to the playoffs and in a wide open NFC North behind the Green Bay Packers and with a record of 3-2, and two, a two-game winning streak for the Bears, maybe they could get a little bit of momentum going over the next couple weeks. You will get Chicago's schedule coming up next. They will be at home against the Packers. That is going to be a big one. I can't wait on Sunday. The other game in the 405 window. This was maybe the game of the day. The Los Angeles Chargers, and another game, by the way, we're going to get into a little bit later on this show, beat Cleveland 47-42. This was one of the games of the year, an absolute shootout, and I'll just say this. Baker Mayfield played well in this game. One of the better games he played going for 305 yards and two touchdowns. But it was clear that the quarterback on the other sideline, Justin Herbert, was just better and could make more plays. And ultimately, that's what happened. Even when the Chargers kicker missed the possible game-tying extra point, the Chargers are still able to go out there and find a way to win. I loved Brandon Staley's aggressiveness in this game. And even though for the first three-plus quarters, I thought Kevin Stefanski and his game plan was really good, running the ball on third and eight told me everything I needed to know about the the trust or lack thereof he has in his quarterback, Baker Mayfield, even when he played one of his better games of the season. I still think Cleveland is one of the better teams in the AFC. They're definitely a contender to win the AFC North. Nick Chubb is such a blast to watch. I don't think Cleveland's defense is this bad. They just played Justin Herbert. 
one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and we're going to get into this game later. Um, one of the more entertaining ones for sure. Great win by the Chargers over Cleveland. The game of the week, the Cowboys beat the Giants uh, on Fox, the 425 game, by a final score of 44-20. to And I feel for the Giants, they just had so many injuries between Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay going out in this game. Didn't have Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton before. Andrew Thomas didn't play. And even though Kadarius Toney, the young first-round pick from the University of Florida, balled out 10 catches, 189 yards, he gets ejected after he throws a punch at a Cowboy defender. If I was a Giant fan, that would really upset me. Joe Judge is a guy that is supposed to be known for his discipline. And the Giants have now lost a game because they lined up offsides on a possible game-winning field goal attempt that was missed. And now Kadarius Tony's getting ejected. There were also some fights that broke out during the training camp session for this Giant team. I'm disappointed in Joe Judge. And this was a tough game for the Giants. Dallas is really impressive, putting up 44 points. Dak Prescott is playing the best football of his career. He is absolutely an early MVP candidate. Zeke looked impressive. Tony Pollard looked impressive. Trevon Diggs has a guaranteed interception a week. Micah Parsons is a baller. And the Cowboys are playing like one of the best teams in the NFL. They really are one of the best teams in the NFL. And I cannot wait to see what they do going forward. Phenomenal effort from Dallas. The last game of the 4 o'clock slate... Arizona beat San Francisco by a final score of 17 to 10. I was impressed how Arizona, in a game like this, where, let's be honest, throughout the first couple years of the Quiff Kingsbury tenure in Arizona, this is easily a game they lose. Arizona is coming off of what probably will be their biggest statement win of the season, going into LA and absolutely dominating the Rams. They face a 49er team who was a little bit undermanned without George Kittle, without Jimmy G, obviously. But I said Trey Lance should have been starting, and I do think he's going to get better. He had some growing pains, but also had some good moments in this one. He accounted for over 70% of the 49ers' total offense, but Arizona just needed to do whatever they could to find a way to win this game. At home, they were the better team, and that's exactly what happened. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins showing that chemistry Nuke making some big plays in the back end of this one. Good win for Arizona. Do I think they're the best team in the NFL? No, but they absolutely belong in that conversation. They're just finding a way to win games that historically in the past they haven't. Rondell Moore looks like an absolute star and a steal in terms of first-round picks in the draft. Watch out for him. He's an absolute baller. Good win for Arizona. They're sitting at 5-0. and And even though... I do think Trey Lance is the best option under center for San Francisco going forward. I'm not going to lie. Kyle Shanahan has me a little worried. He, even though is a very good head coach, he struggled throughout these first five games. It hasn't been the best five-game stretch for him as a head coach. And sometimes we see even the best coaches in the NFL struggle. But still, Kyle Shanahan needs to be better. The NFC West is too tough of a division. And when I say he needs to be better, his play calling just wasn't ideal. I feel like there were many instances where San Francisco could have easily gone back in this game. Trey Lance, he played good, but not as well as he could have, and I think his head coach could have put him in a better position to succeed. However, good one for Arizona. I'm a little worried about San Francisco, not going to lie. Right now, the Rams and the Cards look like the clear two best teams in the NFC West. Sunday night football. I got to hand it to the Buffalo Bills. That was a dominating effort over Kansas City from start to finish. Buffalo ends up getting the win by a final score of 38 to 20. And what I was impressed with in this game was how you guys remember after the Super Bowl, the Buccaneers were out here telling anyone who was willing to listen how the Chiefs, especially on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the trenches, are just a soft team. Buffalo came into this game and just exploited that. Buffalo came into this game ready for a barroom brawl, and we know Kansas City's defense just flat out isn't good. You saw Tyron Matthew just acting super upset when Daniel Sorensen just lost another guy in coverage, and Josh Allen and the Bills just took advantage. This was, in my opinion, the worst game 
Patrick Mahomes has ever played. And we're going to get into it in a later segment on this show, what exactly this means for both of these teams going forward. But after Buffalo's defense played well the last couple weeks, I was impressed. But I didn't know how legit it was. They did it against a handful of backup quarterbacks like Davis Mills and Jacoby Brissett and Taylor Heineke, who I know is technically a starter, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. And Buffalo, they forced the turnovers at the right time. I still don't think Kansas City is going to end up being this turnover prone, and I'm certainly not ready to rule them out of the conversation. But right now, there are a handful of teams in the AFC that just seem better than Kansas City. It's that simple. They have to get their stuff taken care of quick, especially playing in a tough AFC West good win for Buffalo. They look like to be one of the elites at the top of the AFC right now. And moving on to the final game, Monday Night Football. What a job by Lamar Jackson as he leads the Ravens to a crazy 16-point comeback win over the Colts. Baltimore ends up getting the win 35-21. to Lamar Jackson goes for 442 passing yards, four touchdown passes, and then rushing 62 rushing yards on 14 attempts. Mark Andrews And Hollywood Brown also balled out for the Ravens in this one. And for me, you look at this game, the Colts needed this one. And I think their defense in the first half played one of the better halves we'll see from a defense so far this season. The problem was, even with that defensive performance, and even with a really good performance from Carson Wentz, throwing for 402 yards and two touchdowns, Jonathan Taylor played really well, in my opinion, in this one as well. But the Ravens had Lamar Jackson, the Colts didn't, and he is improving as a passer big time, is Lamar going for 442 yards, his pocket presence is getting better, and I just was so impressed how the amount of things that had to go right for the Ravens in order to win this game happened, and there was still never really a doubt, like when the Ravens went down by 8, I knew Lamar was getting that touchdown and the two-point conversion. The amount of confidence you have in this guy watching him is apparent because he is just that good. This is a tough loss for the Colts, even though I don't think the Titans are that good. Being two games out already with a head-to-head loss might be tough to deal with if you're Indy, especially after the way you blew this game. And I've been so impressed with the Ravens, the amount of injuries they suffered leading up to the to the beginning point of the season. I'm not going to lie, after they lost to the Raiders... On Monday Night Football Week 1, I questioned how much they had left in the tank considering the amount of injuries they had and considering how Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters tore their ACLs on back-to-back plays in camp. But at the same time, the Ravens are always a team that you can never count out and a team that are always in it. Lamar was super impressive. Their defense, Calais Campbell, blocking that kick. That's when it really hit me like, wow, the Ravens have a real chance to come back and win this game. What an effort. What a job from Baltimore, and what a week it was during week five of the NFL. Hopefully the kickers could get their act together. I've never seen anything like it, the amount of missed kicks that happened this week. But hey, we love talking, and we love recapping NFL football for you, week five edition. So I hinted at it when we were going across the league here on the Zach Curl Sports Podcast John Gruden, he is now no longer the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Tom Pelissero of NFL Network announced on Monday night around 9 o'clock Eastern Time p.m. that John Gruden did inform his staff that he did plan uh, to resign as the Raiders head coach. And that is exactly what happened. John Gruden, no longer the head coach of the Raiders. And this was just a crazy sequence of events because Monday night football The Colts are playing the Ravens in what turned out to be one of the better games of the season. And really in the first half, I couldn't even focus on the Colts game because of this news. And one thing that I've really learned about the NFL since I've been watching this great league is it is the best reality television show on TV. Stuff like this, like a week ago, imagine saying right before the Raiders played in that big Monday night football game against the Chargers when their stadium was filled entirely with Raider fans. Imagine telling them who going into that game, the Raiders were 3-0. Imagine telling their fans that they would lose the next two games and their head coach. Like that was not something on the table even just a week and a half ago, and now John Gruden is no longer the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And I will say this. The other day when the report came out regarding John Gruden and Damaris Smith, 
I did think that John Gruden ultimately had to apologize, and he did, and he said he was sorry, and I thought at the worst he was just going to get suspended for a handful of games. Obviously, that's not something you want breaking in the middle of your season. It's not ideal. But the craziest part of this story is that the reason why the NFL found the emails to begin with was because they were investigating Bruce Allen and the Washington football team, everything going on there. And it turns out that while John Gruden was still working at ESPN, he was just emailing all of these very offensive uh, comments to Bruce Allen. It's almost like he was treating email like a text. And the NFL just happened to find these emails. And for me, even though I just said originally I expected John Gruden to um, just get suspended uh, for a couple games after the first report came out, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Once the second report came out by the New York Times last night, and I saw the comments regarding Michael Sam and what John Gruden said about Roger Goodell, I kind of knew the inevitable. You knew it was happening, that the Raiders and Mark Davis really just had no choice but to move on from John Gruden as head coach. And there are just so many different dynamics to come out of this story. Crazy that it just happened out of nowhere. And you do think the word has been that there was someone in the NFL that was trying to get John Gruden out of uh, Vegas. It doesn't surprise me. Just the fact that he said that about Roger Goodell, for all we know, maybe Gruden and Goodell really don't get along. Maybe they really don't like each other. Who knows? But I do kind of get that sense that someone in the NFL, by leaking these stories and these emails to the New York Times, was trying to get John Gruden out of Vegas. And I will say, once those emails drop, you kind of just knew And John Gruden, I totally understand that all of us have probably said things, you know, 10, 12 years ago uh, in this new age of social media and technology where all of our messages and all of our comments can really be saved. And you could go back and look at a a person's old tweet, you know, many times it's happened on draft night. But at the same time, if you're an NFL head coach, you cannot have this happening. And it's embarrassing. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the way I use my email, I kind of just use it for business relationship relationship matters, you know, scheduling and stuff. If anyone wants to get in contact with me regarding sports or just anything like that, reminders, like it's not really entertaining stuff. And John Gruden just said some really awful things. Now, I will say, I do think that there are some stories to come out of this. The Raiders... It was only a week and a half ago that I had them in my top 10 teams in the NFL, and they were one of the surprise teams for me to start off this NFL season. We all know that historically the Raiders, since Gruden has gotten there, have been the team that has been known to getting off to that really hot start. However, it usually doesn't last, even last year with the extra AFC playoff team added along with the NFC as well. But there were seven teams in the AFC that made the playoffs last year. The Raiders actually got off to a very good start and still were not able to make it. But the one thing I really liked about this year's team was that their defense, which was one of the five worst units in the NFL last year, for the most part this year, has played really well. John Gruden, late last season, decided to fire his defensive coordinator and his good friend, Paul Gunther, and he brought in Gus Bradley. Uh, Bradley has done a phenomenal job with this Raiders defense, and considering how Derek Carr and this offense looked throughout the first three games of the season, there were real signs of optimism for the Raiders. Now, the other part that makes this so interesting is that even though I think we all view John Gruden this season as a guy, even though he's not the perfect head coach, at least he's made Derek Carr and this offense better. But here's the thing. Mark Davis brought back John Gruden to Vegas. And John Gruden was a guy that when he was brought into Vegas, he was very valuable among the coaching candidates all over the football world. You remember Tennessee, how badly they wanted to bring him in? Mark Davis even tried to bring back John Gruden as head coach of the Raiders in 2011 and in 2014. He finally gets him in 2017. The main reason why 
they wanted John Gruden, many teams did across the NFL, was because they saw what he was able to do on Monday Night Football, and he really rebranded himself. He became literally a reality TV star, one of the best personalities in the NFL. You watch this guy go to work, and you saw how much he loved football, how much he loved the game, Spider 2 wide banana. He was that great alpha personality on Monday Night Football, and the Raiders and many other teams wanted him badly, so badly, they gave him a 10-year deal. Here's the problem. Throughout the first three years of that 10-year deal, John Gruden was really not getting the job done. He was making a lot of money, $100 million, 10-year deal, and he could not get this Raider team into the playoffs. And I get it. Like, their roster wasn't great, but why wasn't their roster great? Because he decided to trade Khalil Mack. He decided to draft guys like Cleveland Furl and Damon Arnett in the first round. There are plenty more. All of those guys busted. The Raiders have not done a great job drafting over the past couple years. And I know technically Mike Mayock is the GM, but if you've paid attention to the Raiders since Gruden has gotten there, you could really tell that he is the guy who was really running things and running operations. And the number one question I have about the Raiders uh, after losing Gruden is, look, I don't think they're going to be great this year. It's such a hard thing to just lose your head coach, especially in the middle of, I don't want to say, excuse me, out of nowhere. But once again, no one expected this to happen. Even when the first report came about the email to Demora Smith, John Gruden apologized for it. He owned up to it. And once again, I thought he was just getting suspended. I never would have thought he would have gotten fired, excuse me, because of that. But more reports came out about the emails he was sending and the inevitable just hit that Gruden was no longer going to be the head coach. Now, here's the other question. The Raiders are in Vegas. A lot of things have changed since they hired John Gruden. What not a lot of people are realizing is that before Gruden got there, and I get it, they were still in Oakland. Maybe moving to Vegas just changes everything, and that new stadium helps as well. But the Raiders were regarded as one of the worst-run organizations in football just because of... All the chaos and the hecticness that was going on there uh, before John Gruden left between Wayne Kiffin and Tom Cable and um, uh, the defensive coordinator of the Saints, Dennis Allen, who was their head coach. It didn't really work out, and the Raiders were just a team that was known uh, for chaos. Even this year, before the start of the season, John Gruden, you saw all of a sudden you turn around and there are plenty of Raiders executives. There's like two or three executives that work in the front office that just resign. They're, they, they, they are done. They quit. And I think John Gruden and the way he was running this team, he was the guy. He was really the one that was making all the decisions. Things did seem a little bit chaotic in Vegas with the Raiders, even though I don't want to call John Gruden a bad football coach, but he certainly wasn't the guy the Raiders were getting for the contract that they gave him. And now John Gruden is gone. The question I have is would a guy like Brian Dable or a guy like Eric Bieniemy be willing to come into an organization like this, a situation like this, where even though they do have a pretty good quarterback in Derek Carr, they have some building blocks, Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, Max Crosby. They have some blue chip players. Jonathan Abram has played much better this year. Maybe he could find the way into that conversation. They have some players that they could build around. However, after this just happened, how do other people perceive the Raiders job? Now that this is going to be open, the Raiders' new coach is going to be their special teams coordinator um, by the name of, I'm having trouble uh, pronouncing this guy's name as always, but Richa Basaccia will be the Raiders' uh, new head coach. He was their special teams coordinator. They do have two experienced coordinators as well with Gus Bradley and Greg Olson running things. And I just want to feel, I want to say this, I feel really bad for Derek Carr. This is a guy who, when John Gruden got to the Raiders, there were plenty of questions about how are these two guys going to connect? Are they going to be on the same page? Ultimately, we knew John Gruden had complete control of the Raiders organization and their personnel moves. 
There were many times where we questioned, is John Gruden going to trade Derek Carr? Is he going to want to draft a guy like Kyler Murray? I remember those rumors came in uh, a couple years ago. And now Gruden is gone and the Raiders are going to have to go in a whole new direction. I'm going to be curious to see what they do with Mike Mayock as well. Would they give him the opportunity to bring in a new head coach? And maybe if he does stay, we will see uh, what what Mike Mayock is all about. Because even though... Uh, He has been the GM over the last couple years, and he technically is responsible for some of those bad draft picks that I just called the Raiders out for. He is still a very respected football mind. I remember watching him on the NFL Network draft show, and he always seemed very knowledgeable of the prospects and did a really good job breaking them down. And he did get hired as the Raiders GM, but John Gruden was really the guy in charge at the helm for the Raiders. Now, maybe Mike Mayock really does get that opportunity to be running things for the Vegas Raiders. Just shocking uh, developing news going down. John Gruden out as Raiders head coach. I am so curious to see what the future holds. But after those emails got released, we all knew a move had to be made. Moving on to the next segment of today's show, it's going to feel good to actually talk about a football game. The Buffalo Bills on Sunday Night Football go into Arrowhead Stadium, Kansas City, a place where even though over the last couple of years, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, Stephon Diggs, that combination, they've won a lot of football games. Unfortunately, they have not been able to beat Kansas City. If you remember, Buffalo and Kansas City played in the regular season last year in Buffalo. Kansas City won that game. The Chiefs also beat the Bills in the AFC Championship game last year. And this was such a big game for both sides. For Buffalo, they were trying to show everyone that they are worthy to at least be considered as the best team in the AFC by beating the team that has gotten to the Super Bowl and that has represented the AFC in the big game over the last couple of years. Kansas City, even though they have that championship pedigree, they have lost some games this year, even before Sunday Night Football this past week, where historically in years past, since Mahomes and Reed and Kelsey and Hill have been there, that is not usually a game uh, they lose. And they've been losing... Now three regular season games, that is something that hasn't really gone on in the Mahomes era in Kansas City. And going into this game, I was really curious to see what would happen because Buffalo, I'll give them credit, after they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers week one, and I think looking back at that game, we could just explain it as in the NFL, the best league in the world. There are some just crazy things that happen over the course of the season, especially during week one, where going in, we don't really know much about uh, every team and like what is really going on behind the scenes. There are plenty of surprising things that happen in week one. If you remember the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2020 beat the Colts in week one, the Colts ended up making the playoffs and the Jaguars literally have not won a football game since. And Buffalo lost to Pittsburgh in week one. There were plenty of people who were a little bit concerned about Buffalo. And look, I was not the biggest Josh Allen fan throughout his first couple years in the NFL. He was bad as a rookie and he wasn't great in year two. But last year, the leap he was able to make was one of the more impressive improvements I've ever seen from a player, not only in the NFL, but in sports. And the addition of Stefan Diggs, Brian Dable always putting him in a good position to succeed. Like, Allen was phenomenal in 2020. And then over the offseason, the Bills paid him with that big-time contract, making him the second-highest quarterback in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes. And based on how he played during the 2020 season, there was no doubt that Josh Allen deserved that contract. But I just wanted to see what he would be able to do for an encore going into the 2021 season. And the Bills had some lofty expectations, even though to most people can't Kansas City were the overall favorites to win the AFC conference before the season started. The second option and the second most popular team uh, in that conversation was the Buffalo Bills based on everything that they uh, that they were able to do last year, getting to the AFC championship game, winning the AFC East. They were a really good team last year. And after week one, they struggled. They've been playing some really good football. In week two, they uh, go out there and shut out the Miami Dolphins. Tua Tugavailoa got hurt in that game. Jacoby Brissett 
couldn't really move the ball against them. In week number three, they beat Washington. In week four, they dominate the Houston Texans. And one thing that had really stood out to me throughout the first couple games with Buffalo was last year, they were a really good football team and they obviously made the AFC championship game. But the main reason why they were able to do that was because of their offense. The problem with Buffalo last year was that if their offense wasn't getting the job done for them, their defense couldn't win them games. Their running game was non-existent. And I think this year, the scary thing about the Buffalo Bills is not only does Josh Allen and that offense look back and very capable, putting up 38 points in this game against the Kansas City Chiefs on the road at Arrowhead Stadium. And I get it. The Chiefs defense is an absolute embarrassment. We're going to get into the Chiefs defense before we end this segment. But Buffalo's offense looks legit. It looks uh, like they are a pretty similar unit to last year in terms of ability uh, to score points. And the crazy thing is I don't know how their offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, did not get a head coaching job. I'm pretty sure he's going to get one after this season. And he has done wonders with Josh Allen. He is one of the better offensive coordinators in the league. I think any team that's going to be looking for a head coach will be very lucky to have him. Brian Dable has done a phenomenal job developing Josh Allen and improving his knowledge of the Bills offense, making him more comfortable. And the Bills offense is legit. But the scary thing is the Bills defense actually looks good. And there are plenty of talent on this Buffalo Bills uh, defense with cornership guys like uh, Tremont Edmonds and uh, Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Matt Milano, the linebacker who didn't even play in this game. But the other encouraging news for Buffalo is that you're getting some contributions from some of the younger guys on this defense that haven't done much going into this point. Guys like uh, Carlos Boogie Basham, their first round pick this year, even Gregory Rousseau, uh, the kid from Miami, and Basham wasn't their first round pick. He went in, I believe, the third or fourth round. But Rousseau they drafted. A.J. Epinesa, a kid they drafted in 2020 from Iowa, he's been looking good. And Buffalo's defense has been legit. Sean McDermott has done a phenomenal job. You can't really say more than that. He has done such a good job building Buffalo into a winning culture. And now, all of a sudden, after a couple years under in charge for Sean McDermott, the Bills are a place where free agents are going to want to go and play, and the Buffalo Bills deserve a lot of credit. I would totally understand the argument if you think right now the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC. But let's talk about Kansas City for a second. This game was very disappointing, and here's the problem, right? Kansas City, throughout their first couple games of the season, like we all agree, their defense was terrible, and if they're going to want to win games, their defense is going to have to be much better than the way it's played over the last couple of years. And I do think that, or the last uh, last couple of weeks, I should say, I do think that when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs, that I their defense has too much talent to be this bad. You know, I, I know I keep saying that, and I know their defense just hasn't been playing well, and I'm not expecting their defense to all of a sudden become a top 10 unit, but their defense is literally playing like one of the worst units in the NFL. It's ranked 31 overall right now in scoring defense. If that continues, then Kansas City isn't going to be a threat to win. You love Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback and his ability to make plays out of nothing. And I feel like whenever you have Mahomes, your team is always going to have a legitimate chance to win. But even in this game, at Arrowhead Stadium, when we've seen Mahomes make plenty of crazy comebacks, especially in big games in the playoffs, this chief team felt dead. And Mahomes, in a big game where his team needed him the most, he didn't show up. He This was honestly the worst game I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes play. And good for the Bills defense. They deserve a lot of credit for really going into this game and getting ready for a brawl. I hinted at it earlier in this show when we went across the league. If I was a Chief fan, I wouldn't only be disappointed that I lost the this game. I would be disappointed because after the Super Bowl, and let's face it, we always say when discussing the Super Bowl, the Buccaneers deserve a lot of credit for their game plan, their ability to pressure Patrick Mahomes, take advantage of a beat up Chiefs offensive line, and 
there have been a lot of defenses, including the Buffalo Bills, that have kind of copied that same formula that we saw from Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers in that Super Bowl, playing two safeties up top, saying we're going to refuse to let Tyreek Hill beat us, and really just playing bend, don't break, hold Kansas City to small gains and hope that they either mess up by turning the ball over, just don't give up the big play, and we will give our team a legitimate chance to win. Bend, but don't break. And that formula has been working. However, Kansas City, they don't play any defense. So if you're going to be able to score points on Kansas City, which really any capable offense should be able to, then you could have a a, a good chance of beating them. But the reason why, if I were a Chief fan, I would be really upset is because after that Super Bowl, the narrative came out that your team is soft. There were plenty of Buccaneers... Um, players that were talking to the media after that game and just saying, yeah, Kansas City is a soft team. When you play that spread offense, um, a lot of times the conception will be that your team is soft. Brandon Staley, the Chargers coach, even said it in an interview over last week that went viral on social media. He said, you don't even have to be good uh, to, you don't even have to be good to run the football to do it. The reason why, in many instances, you're going to run the football is to just make your team more physical. And that's in practice in the game. When you run the football, it improves your physicality on the trenches. And sometimes teams that play the spread offense and aren't able to run the football, they're labeled physically soft. And when I look at the Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo came into this game expecting a bar room brawl. They came in with heavy hitters. You could tell from a very early point in this game that Buffalo came to play. They really wanted to win this game. And it makes sense. This game was so important to Buffalo. If the Bills were not going to be able to go into Arrowhead Stadium and win this game and beat these Kansas City Chiefs, this version of Kansas City where their defense just flat out isn't good, when were they ever going to be able to do that? And the fact that they were able to go into Arrowhead with the weather delay as well, just sitting in the locker room at halftime for an extra hour and just still be able to find a way, win this game, and dominate, force all of the right turnovers at the right times. The Buffalo Bills deserve credit, but Kansas City is officially in trouble. They do not look like the same team they have been over the last couple of years. And it's funny because last year, the Chiefs were a weird team. They all they went 15-1 and in the regular season. They would always win regular season games. However, they went through... A stretch where they just could not cover the the spread. And that continued into this season. And when you're not able to cover the spread, even if you're able to win, that shows that in some way you're underachieving. You are not winning games by as much as Vegas thinks you should be. And I totally understand. In the NFL, there is no style points, right, for wins. It's just wins and losses. Whoever has the most wins, no matter who you beat, no matter how much you beat them by, in the end, are going to find a way to get into the playoffs, whoever has the best record. However, Kansas City last year, when they were winning games from start to finish, still some of their games would be abnormally close late, and people would wonder why. And I think it's just because Kansas City was so much better than everyone last year in the AFC that they could kind of take a deep breath and not play the perfect game in order to get wins. This year, that is not the case. The gap between Kansas City and the rest of the AFC is no longer existent because the Chiefs don't play any defense. Their offense has been turning the ball over left and right, and you are not going to be able to win games like that. Props to the Bills, but the Chiefs are in trouble, and if they don't clean this up quick, they could still be in trouble going into the playoffs. Now, I still think Kansas City is a playoff team with everything going on with the Raiders, everything going on recently with Denver from an on-the-field perspective, losing their last two games after getting off to that 3-0 start. I still think Kansas City will find a way to get into the playoffs, and who knows, by January, maybe their defense will be playing much better and will look at Kansas City as a legit threat. But still, right now, the way I see it, Kansas City's defense needs to play better And they have to stop turning the ball over or else they're not going to have a shot to win many football games. Good job by the Bills. Statement win. Finally getting the job done over Kansas City. The last and final segment of today's show will be on the Seattle Seahawks. And if you missed it, the Seahawks were actually the first team to play in week five on Thursday night football as they unfortunately took a home loss 
to the Rams. And a couple observations on the Rams in this game before I dive deep into Seattle. Look, the Rams had a very disappointing game in week number four of the NFL season. After they defeated Tampa Bay in week three, there were plenty of people, including myself, by the way, that said the Rams are the best team in the NFL. When you combine an elite coach like Sean McVay with an elite quarterback like Matthew Stafford and the overall ability to just expand the playbook, the Rams are a very dangerous team. And even though they didn't look great in this game, really for the first quarter plus of this game, it was kind of a joke. Both offenses couldn't really move the ball. And really that is what you expect to happen on Thursday night football, especially once we get to week five and week six. And after that, especially when you are on the road in a division game in a Thursday night situation like this, all your goal should be is to win the game. No style points. Just find a way to leave with the win. And even though Matthew Stafford did sail a couple balls, it wasn't the best game played by the Rams. They were still able to go and find a way to head to Seattle and leave with the victory. I'll give them credit for that. But let's get into Seattle. And the main storyline to come out of this game and really on Friday was when the news dropped following a couple hours was that the Seahawks were now going to be out without Russell Wilson for at least a month, maybe possibly six to eight weeks, according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN with a ruptured middle finger tendon which required surgery. He got that. Seattle is now thinking about Wilson's long-term health, and Geno Smith is now going to be under center for the Seattle Seahawks. And I'm not going to lie. I believe the Seahawks are in trouble. And no offense to Geno Smith, by the way. I think he came in on Thursday Night Football and played about as well as you could expect him to play. He had a nice touchdown pass to Metcalf. Unfortunately, he threw the game-sealing interception for the Rams, but his receiver actually slipped on that play. When I say I don't believe in Seattle, it's not because I don't think Geno is a capable backup. I think he'll be fine. The issue is when I look at the team around Geno Smith, and even when I looked at the team with Russell Wilson— They were having trouble winning games with Russell. And as much as I love Geno Smith, he's not Russell Wilson. And I think it is apparent now there are plenty of issues with Seattle that I just don't know if they're fixable. Over the last couple years when we've watched Seattle, when Russell Wilson has had the opportunity to run around in the pocket and create plays and throw the ball, he has been really really good. You guys remember, let Russ cook Why? Uh, and asking yourself, why is Pete Carroll's offenses are, are always so conservative? He's just obsessed with running the football. He should have Russell Wilson throw the ball more and try to win the game with his passing ability. Russell Wilson is that good of a quarterback. And even though Over the last couple years, there have been times when we've all felt that Russell Wilson has kind of been held back by the Pete Carroll philosophy of being so intent and uh, and, and just really wanting to run the football. Um, Russell Wilson was still able to ball out, right? He, the first eight to nine weeks of the season last year, was the front runner for MVP. We all know how it ended. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to get the job done. But Russell Wilson started out last year balling out. And he has always been one of the best quarterbacks in the league, number-wise. And even just when you watch him, he always is so in control of the game. And on Thursday Night Football, even when Russell Wilson was playing, there were just a couple things about the Seahawks team that looked off. And one thing I'll say about Pete Carroll, he has done a great job since he's gotten to Seattle. The combination of him and Russell Wilson have won a ton of football games. The only time they didn't make the playoffs in the Wilson Carroll era, like they finished nine and seven. They were still a really good competitive team. And this year, that uh, run might be over because I look at the NFC West. And here's the problem. When you have a quarterback that's good enough, like Russell Wilson is, we've seen it over many of the prior years. He's so good in some instances that he could just win you a game by himself, where 
really before Russ just went off. We even saw it in a way with Lamar Jackson on Monday Night Football in week number five. Some quarterbacks are just so good that even when their team isn't having the best night, they'll still just find a way to put the team on the back and find a way to win. And the problem is the team and the surrounding cast around Russell Wilson to start off this season has been so bad that Russell himself hasn't even been able to rescue the Seahawks. Like, let's be honest. The Seahawks defense just isn't any good. And I don't understand how Pete Carroll, when he's running this thing, I don't get how his secondary could be this bad. I like Quandre Diggs. They basically got him for free from Detroit. But Seattle is also uh, committed and paying a guy in Jamal Adams who is making a boatload of money. The Seahawks just signed Jamal Adams. I'll give you the exact number right now. The Seahawks, before the season started, signed Jamal Adams to a four-year, $70 million deal. And the problem is... If they just had to pay him that money, I wouldn't have hated the move. The problem is they gave up two first-round picks and a second-round pick for a guy that not only they would have to pay $70 million to, but a guy who can't cover. He is just not a good cover safety. There were two times in this game where if Seattle could have just somehow, some way, gotten a stop on the defensive side of the ball, they'd be able to get off the field and give the ball to the offense and hope the offense could put together a drive to put them back in control. And one, Deshaun Jackson beat Jamal Adams for a huge game. The next, Tyler Higby totally roasted Jamal Adams uh, for a touchdown, and this guy just cannot cover. And once again, if he was just a free agent and the Seahawks just had to pay him that money, all right, that's fine. But it was kind of like a package deal. Seattle had to acquire Jamal Adams from the Jets, and in order to do that, they had to give up three draft picks, two first rounders and a second round pick for a guy that can't cover and when you're giving up those assets and paying a guy that much money he should really be a difference making kind of player on defense kind of in a way where I just said Russell Wilson when his team isn't having the best day he could just go out there and find a way to win your team the game Jamal Adams hasn't really done that so far in Seattle and look Pete Carroll and the Seahawks have once again had a great run. You remember back in 2013 and 2014 when Russell Wilson first got into the league, even though he was always a solid quarterback, right? He wasn't the reason primarily why the Seahawks were such a great team. You had that Legion of Boom secondary, Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas, Bobby Wagner, who's still there. He was younger. KJ Wright, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, so many guys on the defensive side of the ball that could impact the game in a big way. And based on the plays they'd make, Seattle could just win games right then and there. This year, especially without Russell Wilson, I just don't know if they have the game-breaking type talent in order to win them games. Because let's face it, when Russell Wilson just isn't throwing the ball deep downfield to Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, what exactly is Seattle's identity? What exactly do they do well? Chris Carson, I like him as a player, but over the last couple of years, he has just not really been able to stay healthy. I also thought that Pete Carroll bringing in Shane Waldron as the team's new offensive coordinator from the Rams, I thought that would make this offense a little bit more modern and a little bit more aggressive and really it's the opposite you watch Seattle even before Russell Wilson got hurt something just looked wrong with their offense it didn't look the same as it's been and keep in mind once again last year under Brian Schottenheimer's system who we see what he's been doing in Jacksonville so far it hasn't worked out he's underachieved at his last couple jobs Brian Schottenheimer clearly isn't the best NFL offensive coordinator in the league and even under him Russell Wilson was still out here balling out almost winning the MVP through eight nine weeks and was clearly one of the best quarterbacks in the league last year they haven't been able to start off games fast that is really concerning in the game against San Francisco would some how some way luckily they were uh, able to find a way to win that game was in week four they go to the bay area seattle didn't score in the first quarter not only did they not score but they had negative three total yards throughout the first quarter i don't care who's on your team if you're putting up negative three yards after a quarter of play on the road in a divisional matchup in a division like the nfc west which we all agree 
is probably the toughest division in football, it is going to be very hard for you to win football games. And watching Seattle on the same field as the Rams, it was crazy because the Seahawks had many opportunities to take control of that game. They were even winning 7-3 to at the half. And even though the Rams had an off night, they clearly weren't the best team they were capable of being, which you expect road team on Thursday night, uh, you know, couple weeks into the season, the Rams on a night where they didn't have everything and everything didn't go right for them, they were still able to find a way to go into Seattle and win because they just knew we were the better team and that's what good thing well, that's what good teams do. Even when they don't have everything, even when everything isn't working and they aren't playing their best football, when you could go on the road and still find a way to win when you don't play your best, that is what good teams do. And Seattle, when they clearly didn't play their best game on Thursday night football, they were not able to find a way to win. And going forward, looking into the future for this Seahawks team, I once again like Geno Smith. I think he did a good job in this game. I think he's one of the better backups in the NFL. I just don't think that he's going to be able to win with this team and what's around him because there isn't much talent. There isn't much around Geno that makes me feel excited. And I get they have Lockett and Metcalf and their offensive line improved. And on defense, they have some names. I But their defense is one of the worst defenses in the league. Like last year, their defense started off terrible. And it's ironic because even though... Their defense was able to improve as the season went on with the addition of Carlos Dunlap. That was one of the better moves by John Schneider. They still weren't able to win because Russell Wilson really struggled as the season went on. The Seahawks lost that playoff game to the Rams when their offense couldn't do anything. And now you fast forward to 2021, you thought, okay, their offense should be good with a McVay guy in Shane Waldron, plus their defense, but it has just gone horribly, horribly wrong, and the Seahawks are in big trouble right now. They're a sloppy team. There hasn't really been one time when I've watched them this season, and I said, wow, that was just a complete team effort. Great job, Seahawks. No, I was really disappointed in their effort on Thursday night. I don't think that this team is really going anywhere in the future. And I think Pete Carroll, he's had a great career. He's had a great run as Seahawks coach. But sometimes we forget. He is the old, probably, yeah, the oldest uh, coach in the league at age, um, I'll give you the exact number right now. He's 70 years old. That is crazy. There aren't, Bill Belichick is 69. Yeah, Pete Carroll is the oldest coach in the NFL. So at age 70, you sometimes question how much he has left. I think Seattle could be in trouble going forward. And Russ and Pete, it's been a great run. But Seattle definitely has some work to do going forward with Geno under center. I don't think there's enough around Geno for him to succeed and lead the Seahawks team to wins, even if he plays well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Episodes will drop multiple times a week as we go over all the most interesting storylines in all of sports. Look forward to talking some football, some college basketball, everything in between. And there is just nothing better than talking sports with you guys on this show. Thanks for listening once again. If you want to get in contact with me, the Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L. Twitter at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3. YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. This was the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Everyone have a good one.